didn't yeah. it? <laughs> so we say we don't have to give in this church. We get to give. It's a, it's a privilege and a joy to give. When you know you're giving uh, into a work for God, then uh, you know that there's blessing. You're not throwing your money away. Um, I've ordered a few things on Amazon recently, and it just did not pan out. Y'all know what that means? Like, what? You know, it looks this big, and we got it, and it's like, I'm like, uh-uh, that ain't going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. But I thank God they have a good return policy. You could just throw it in the mail and whatever package you want, and there it goes. And now I found out there's a place right up the street from me that I could drop it in. I'm like, woohoo! And so I can order anything now. And so, but you know what? When I give to God, it's, I'm not throwing it away. It's not a waste of money. It's, it's very purposeful, and he blesses us. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to give. We thank you, Father, that your word says when we give cheerfully that we're blessed people. You've blessed us already, but then we allow you to do even more for us because we're connecting our hearts with it. So we give today with our hearts connected, and we thank you that your word is true and that we don't just have enough, we have more than enough because you have an abundant supply for us. We give honor and praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Craig. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, we have a few minutes here, and so I'm just going to uh, talk to you just for a few minutes. We talked about, uh, during Ollie's dedication, we talked about how I made the statement that children are a gift from God to their parents. And it's a true statement. Uh, I want to just talk for a few minutes about God's gift to the world that also came in the form of a child. And so if you would go with me, if you have your uh, Bible or you can look up on the screens, Luke chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. It says, at the time, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. God is very strategic and purposeful in everything he does. It's interesting that this was the first time, first time ever that a census like this was ever done. The first time that Augustus did this. Everyone who lived under Rome's jurisdiction had to leave where they were and travel to the place where of their ancestry. Can you imagine if the White House declared that we all had to go to our place of origin? I'd be going to Cape Verde. <laughs> so I'd have to go book a flight. And now if I'm, not, if I'm booking a flight, I know that Ivan's booking a flight to Cape Verde because that's where he's from. I know that, you know, there are several other individuals that are booking a flight to the same place, wherever your family's from, state, maybe another state. We, chaos, <laughs> major chaos would ensue. Well, they used all the methods of transportation they have in those days, which consisted of donkeys or walking. And so imagine a businesses had to close, uh, things had to happen, you know, pull the kids out of their education or school or whatever. This was the first time this happened. And uh, we know that uh, Mary was expecting a child. 
And the last thing she would do under normal circumstances was take a 70 to 90 mile journey depending on the route they took to Bethlehem. That's the last thing they would have done just out of the blue. Oh, we're going to go to Bethlehem. And she's, and she's pregnant with child. And so God is very strategic and had a plan. He's about to send his greatest gift to the world. And it had to happen exactly as it was prophesied and foretold. There are over 300, and that's a low number. That's, that's kind of uh, underestimating it. Over 300 prophecies about the coming of Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, and about his birth. And I'm going to look at just one of them that answers the question, why did the census happen at this time? Why didn't it happen two years before this or ten years before this? Well, look at Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. I know it's not a uh, book of the Bible that we read a lot. It's in the Old Testament. It's after the book of Jonah. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past, past will come from you on my behalf. The new King James says, Yet out of you, Bethlehem, shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Micah foretells the birth of Jesus, and he said it would take place in Bethlehem, which Bethlehem is a small, unassuming, kind of boring town. It's, it's not, there's not much in Bethlehem at this time, uneventful. And Jesus came to fulfill these prophecies in Micah, the, one of these uh, in Micah. And so whether Caesar Augustus knew it or not, his senses, the order for it, wasn't just for the purpose of taxation. He was facilitating God's purpose. He, was facil he didn't know, but he was facilitating God's purpose. To fulfill prophecy, Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. And so God inconvenienced the whole Roman world <laughs> just so his purpose could be carried out, his plan could be carried out. Once your feet steps on the path where the plan of God for your life unfolds, you will meet with God's assistance and he'll do whatever it takes to help you fulfill his plan. I heard a testimony just this week of a young lady. Her husband passed away very unexpectedly at 37 years old. They had two kids, one was seven, and this happened very recently. And so she was telling her pastor, and her pastor was retelling this story this week. And uh, it was not a good situation, uh, but she said, Pastor, I just want you to know, I have like so much right now, like more money than I've ever had in the bank. She said, people have just been coming up to me. They won't let me pay any meals. I haven't said anything. She said, they won't let me pay any meals. And they're taking, they bought clothes for my kids. They're just taking care of me. But someone had told her that her uh, kids were entitled to uh, Social Security uh, survivor benefits because the father passed away. And so she went to the Social Security office. And she walked into a line filled with people. Anybody go to the Social Security office when you had to change your name or retire? Whew, there could be a lot of people. 
And so she went in there, and she was in line and finally got to the window, and she shared her story uh, with the woman at the window who was not very patient. And so the woman said, okay, here's the application. Just know it's nine months to a year before we even process that application. So don't expect to see anything. So she said, uh, okay. And she took the application, and while she was walking away, a man came out from the back door where the employees are and said, come with me. And so she's like, okay. So she went there. He was the supervisor of that shift. And so he took her uh, to where his office was, where his desk was, and had her sit down. And he said, I want you to fill this out right now. And so she filled it out. He said, we're processing it today. And within 30 days, you'll have your money. He said, I heard your story when you were telling that woman what happened. I lost my dad when I was seven years old, the same age as your daughter. So I want to help you. God had him walk at that particular time when she was there in line. And he heard it. He heard it, and it, re- it, and it was someone that that story resonated with. God will inconvenience other people just for you if you'll stay on his plan and on his path. And so it, that's not a coincidence. Nothing is impossible for God and for those who will believe. Remember back in Luke chapter 1 and verse 38, Mary told the angel Gabriel when he told her, that she was going to birth the son of God, she said yes to the plan of God. She said, be it unto me according to your will. And so she's on the path that the plan of God unfolds on. And he will always assist us in carrying out his plan when we say yes, always. His plan isn't always convenient, especially to our flesh, but there is always a reward for obeying him. So Joseph and Mary traveled 70 to 90 miles, which for the average person would take four days. But it's been determined it could have taken up to nine days. Those who have been pregnant with child can understand why. Probably many bathroom breaks, you know, and okay, stop. You know, we don't know if she was on a donkey or not. The stories that you see on Christmas cards show they are. The Bible doesn't tell us that. It just says they traveled. And so, uh, When we sing songs uh, of Bethlehem, we sing, oh, little town of Bethlehem. It is a little town. But then we sing, silent night, holy night, all is calm. Yeah, no, it wasn't calm. It wasn't calm in, in Bethlehem that day. It was nothing but calm. Because everybody who who had origins to Bethlehem went back to Bethlehem. And there were many people, so much that by the time Mary and Joseph got there, they were late because it took them longer. Other people had already arrived. And so we think, well, they were poor. That's why they had to stay somewhere else. No, it was because they got there late and there was no room. The Bible tells us clearly there was no room for them in the inn. Why? Because they arrived late. (laughs) And so they had to find another place. And we see uh, the beautiful barn in pictures on Christmas cards. It wasn't a barn. It was a cave. You can go to Bethlehem today and go to Shepherd's Field and go to caves. You can actually go to the cave where Jesus was born. 
It is now set up as a shrine. Looks nothing like it did in that day. It looks nice now. Uh, but you can go to Shepherd's Field and see what it looked like. It was just very empty. The manger was not wood, which looks nice in, on Christmas cards as well. But the manger was made of stone. I think I have a picture, Ivan, of the cave and the stone. Uh, that's what the cave looked like. That is not what we envision. When I watch the star with my granddaughter, it does not look like that. <laughs> and that's one of my favorite Christmas movies. And so there's the manger. Where's the manger? There's the manger. <laughs> yeah. So that is in the cave. And what happens is the shepherds would be in these caves at night. Uh, and they'd watch the sheep and that kind of thing. Uh, and use it. The shepherds that were the angel appeared to, they were shepherds, special shepherds. They did all the sacrifices in the temple. And so uh, that's why the angel spoke to them the way they understood and gave them a sign that they would understand. But that does not look comfortable to me. I don't know about you, but that does not look comfortable to me. And so uh, you can see all that if you were to go to Bethlehem. But we read in Luke chapter 2 and verse uh, 6 and 7, so it was that while they were there, while they were there in the cave, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Mary wrapped Jesus in the same strips of cloth the shepherds used to wrap the legs of the lambs, the newborn lambs. And if you remember, uh, they would be very easy to find in the caves, obviously, because shepherds were in the cave. But this also fulfilled scripture. In Revelation 13, verse 8, it says that Jesus was to be the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. So it fulfilled that prophecy. John the Baptist also called Jesus the Lamb of God. And so this was very significant. Everything God does has, significant, has significance. So every child who is born on this earth has a purpose. Every child. Every child has a purpose. You know, Jesus was God's gift to the world. And he came in the form of a child. And we'll talk more about the birth of Jesus and look at some powerful truths about him and his coming uh, in the next few weeks. But as I close, I just want to look at a couple verses uh, about the purpose he came for. One of the roles of a parent, as we said, is to help a child become aware of their God-given purpose and to lead them to that path. Uh, on which that plan unfolds so they can walk out the plan of God for their life. And that's what a parent is committing to when they dedicate their child. An individual who lives out God's purpose for their life will never be unfulfilled or dissatisfied. Amen. When you're living out God's plan for your life, you won't be dissatisfied. Jesus had a purpose for coming to this earth. And I'm going to read you in closing just a couple scriptures. I'm going to read them quickly, so they'll put them up there. John chapter 5 and verse 30, Jesus said himself, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just. Because why? I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. 
That was one of his purposes, to carry out the will of his Father. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Do not think that I have come to do away with or undo the law or the prophets. I have come not to do away with or undo, but here's his purpose, complete and fulfill the law. Then he said in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to, another purpose, give life as a ransom for, money, for many. That's what, he's did. That's what he's done. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, For the Son of Man came to, here's his purpose, seek and save those who are lost. And in John chapter 10 and verse 10, he said, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. In John 18, 37, he told Pilate, when Pilate asked him, Are you really a king? He said, you are right, Jesus said. I was born a king, and I have come into the world. Why? To prove what truth really is. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. And then Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, he said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul said, and I'm the worst of them all. <laughs> and he's the one that wrote half the New Testament. If he's the worst than them all, goodness, what are we? <laughs> he wrote half the New Testament. Hallelujah. And then 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 says, But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. God sent us, the human race, a gift. And he came to us as a child who had a purpose. Jesus not only knew his purpose, but he lived it and he talked about it often. Do you know your God-given purpose? Are you living it? Do you talk about your purpose on this earth? One more verse tells us Jesus' purpose. John chapter 3. And verse 16 and 7, it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came to give his life, to shed his blood as the spotless Lamb of God and redeem us back to God. John 3.16 tells us he offers eternal life to everyone. Eternal life is zoe. That's the word for life. The God kind of life or the kind of life that God himself lives. That's the kind of life he desires that you and I live. And he offers it to everyone. But it says that only those who believe in him will receive it. You can't receive something you don't believe in. You got to believe in it. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. This is what Jesus came to do, to bring about a miracle in our lives by saving us. And his birth was just the starting point. Please stand with me this morning. We're going to get ready to close.
And I'm going to close with a prayer. So if you would, just close your eyes with me. Before I pray, I want to ask you just to take a second and think if there's ever been a time, ever been a time in your life when you opened your mouth and said, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God and I receive eternal life. And maybe you didn't say those exact words, but you said something similar to that. If you remember saying a prayer like that or words like that, with your eyes closed, just raise your hand for me this morning. And you'll have to raise it high because I'm short. I can't see. So if you've ever thought, yeah, all right, okay, good, good. So if you've never said anything like that before, I'd like to help you today. I'd like to help you today because Jesus came. It's not just, we're not just spectators of this story of the birth of Jesus. It's not a fairy tale. It's real. And it started something marvelous. And it can affect your life. It doesn't just have to be words or stories on a page. But it can change your life. The birth of Jesus, when you see the Christmas story, see yourself in that story because you are a part of it. You are the main part of that story. And so I want to help you this morning. If you would, you know when we mean something, we just talked about that. When we mean it, our heart is connected to it. And so if you would repeat these words after me, and those of you who have already done this at one time, let's help. Let's be a help to those who haven't. And repeat them after me as well. Say, God in heaven. I believe that Jesus is your son, that you sent him to this earth as a gift for me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me and for shedding your blood so I could be forgiven and saved. I receive you now and I renounce all the works of the devil. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And from today on, I will live for you. Amen. That's all it takes. You can open your eyes. That's all it takes. And you know what it says? And we'll do it here. What it says when you say that, when you believe it in your heart, that you receive Jesus. It doesn't just have to be a story. And what happens? All of heaven rejoices. So saints of God, let's rejoice today and let's thank God for his salvation. You know that you don't have to die to be a saint, right? God calls you a saint now. We may not live that way, <laughs> but you are. You are a saint. And so we thank God for you today. Thank you for coming and being a part of this service today, this special moment in this little one's life. We love him. We love his family. And thank you for coming for all the family that was here with them this morning. Thank you for taking the time. That means a lot. It means a lot. It really does. And when uh, they tell him the story of his dedication and show him pictures, he's going to see. My daughter asks me, you know, when she was young, she had me show her the picture of uh, her being dedicated. You know, they, they like that. They want to see that. And so thank you for coming. It was a special day. Thank you to our praise and worship team for the people working down with the kids, for our media team. Thank you so much for all you do every single week. We love you. 